We're going to continue our series on the Psalms, and, and this is the second part of, of warrior, of warrior, what it means to be a warrior. And we believe that the Psalms teach us about that. And there's a warrior's cry right there. <laughs> Often my warrior's cry sounds just exactly like that. Just more of a plea to God, you know, a pouring of my heart to God. It, it sounds just like a child's cry. And remember, we talked about that last week. We talked about that a, a warrior needs a song and then a warrior needs a childlike heart. Those are the two things that we shared. Today we're going to share about that a warrior needs a strategy. Now, in talking about a warrior, sometimes we, we might get the misconception that, of, of what a warrior is. And I'm not talking about becoming a super sanctified commando for Jesus. What I really want to express is that that being a warrior for God is something more sacred than that. It's more like being a warrior disciple or a disciple warrior. Because we follow a holy path. We walk in the footsteps of the greatest warrior that was ever on the face of the planet. Who did battle for us on the cross, in the garden. And was resurrected again. This is the greatest warrior's heart that ever walked this earth. So when we, when we try to, to walk in the warrior way, we are doing something that's sacred, that's holy. That is not just uh, trying to drum up this image of some kind of ninja-like character. It's much more sacred than that. So let's keep that in mind as we talk about what strategy is. Because, see, there comes a time... In, in every warrior's life, when we're tempted to throw in the towel, when we're tempted to turn away in the day of battle. Remember, we talked about that last week, about the children in Ephraim. They turned, although they were armed, they turned away in the day of battle. And in every warrior's life, every warrior's journey with Christ, there is an opportunity to do just that. And there are choices that get presented to us that seem so much easier than, than to continue in the struggle. Early in my life, when I was 16 years old, I was presented with such a, with, with such a, a choice. Because of the abuse that I, I had suffered and was going through at that moment, I figured that the easy way out for me was to commit suicide. This was a choice that was presented to me by the father of all lives. So I planned it, and I went into the woods to do it, deep into the woods. Had a suicide tape, had letters. Had it all planned out, was ready to do it. In the middle of the woods, very much alone, I heard the audible voice just say one word. And the word was no. It was enough to unnerve me and make me realize who was speaking. Because I had heard that voice earlier when I had accepted Jesus as a young boy. I went home, I destroyed the tape. Obviously, I'm still here. But that was a choice that presented to me that, uh, of an easy way out, what seemed like an easy way out. But God wanted me to face my battle, to face my struggle. And these are choices that we get presented all the time. Maybe not as dramatic as that, but there are choices every time. And that's why a warrior needs a strategy. Now, strategy is simply described as an action or a plan or a policy devised to achieve a particular goal or objective. And then I, I want to share today about not so much the, the inner what strategy looks like, but what really strategy is. And I believe strategy is two things. Now, I, I was trying to hold a Facebook contest yesterday to see if people could guess what those two things were. And I only had one contestant. 
Now, he didn't answer the question, but Mike, you get 50 points today for just trying, being a contestant. Thank you for for entering the the contest. Uh, You would have won fabulous prizes if if you've answered right, but you didn't. Sorry. Uh, So these two things, I believe a warrior uh, strategy is made of, okay? The word intent and the word content. Intent and content. Let's go to Psalm 8. Remember, Psalm 8 is going to be our... Our key verse during this series for at least when I'm speaking, Psalm 8, 2, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. We had been ordained strength through our voice, praising him, proclaiming him, praying to him. We found out that he is our foundation, that he gives us something to stand on. That's what established strength meant. It meant that it was a foundation to stand on. And that our war is sung is sung by hearts of childlike faith. And by this, by praying, by praising, by proclaiming, we still the enemy. Remember we said we, it's, it's more than just making him quiet. It's actually moving him. And we talked about how we are not to be moved by the enemy, but we are to move him out of our territory. Yet there is more to understand about this enemy of our soul and his tactics. The word enemy in this verse... Also, it means adversary, but it also means this. It means to ensnare, to cramp, and to make narrow. To make narrow. Almost like he's making our, our, our thoughts and our faith narrow, unable to, to place it into one that we should be placing you know, our faith into. It's about making our choices narrow and uh, just cramping our style or just making us being squeezed. That's what that word means. And the word avenger is simply trans- translated as punisher. Someone who punishes you. So it's important to remember these things because this is why we need a strategy. And strategy is, strategy is more than just plans. Strategy is first intent. The purpose behind our strategy. What is the purpose? What is the intent of our strategy, the strategy of, of a warrior. What's the intent? What is our purpose? To win. That's why we go into battle. We don't go into battle thinking that we're going to lose. We don't go into battle thinking that we're just going to do okay. But the intent of the Father's heart is to win the battle. Psalm 18:39 says this, For you have equipped me with strength for the battle... And you have made those who rise up against me sink under me. The word sink there in the, in the Hebrew means to bend their knee forcibly. And then push their face into the ground. That's a God who is intending on winning. Subduing the enemy underneath us. So the intent of going into battle is to win. To win. That's a warrior's heart. He doesn't go in with any other mindset, with any other thought. He goes in to win. The intent is to win freedom for ourselves and for others. So what our intent is to win, it's really because it's focused on one thing. What is it focused on? It's focused on, on being with Father God, on following His heart. This is why we can have the intent to win, because we know who we belong to. We belong to the Father. It is His battle, remember? It is He who wins the war for us. Strategy is also content. 
Not the content of the battle plans. It's important to have a strong plan. It's a well-devised plan. It is really, but how many strategies have been planned in the, in the wars that we have known about that have come to nothing because of the soldiers carrying out those battle plans? So the content is not the, is not the, the details of the plan. It's the content of the warrior's heart. The content of the warrior's heart. The two-edged sword is mentioned throughout scriptures. I like to think that the two-edged sword is, is two qualities. Integrity and humility. Because these are the two qualities, these two edgy qualities that we see in Christ Jesus. We see these exhibited by Jesus over and over and over again. We see his integrity and we see his humility. And so I believe that's the kind of like the two-edged sword that the scriptures talk about. And especially throughout the Psalms. We read some of them last week about how he placed a two-edged sword in our hands. See, humility is a teachable and reachable spirit. It serves. It gives. And it holds nothing back in reserve. Integrity is an undivided heart. One that's settled on doing what is right. So these two things are in Jesus' heart. His warrior spirit. This is what he is showing us and modeling us. And there's two, two wonderful stories in the Gospels that I think display these things. The first one about his humility is when Jesus gets baptized. John the Baptist is rocking the world with his ministry. Talking about someone moving back the enemy. John the Baptist is doing it. He's doing it full force. Not holding anything back. He's preparing the way. He's preparing the way for Jesus, for his Messiah, for our Messiah to come. Jesus shows up one day to be baptized and basically stands in line and waits his turn. Think about that. Jesus does not walk into the area making a big splash for himself, no pun intended, to say, hey, I have arrived on the scene. Come on, John, let's get this thing going. Jesus basically walks up like a member of the crowd, stands in line and waits his turn to be baptized. He makes no fanfare for himself. He gets baptized. And yes, his father gives him great fanfare. What does his father say? Oh, this is my beloved son. Oh, boy, I love him. I am well pleased with him. But even after that, even after this, this great display of fatherly love, Jesus does something that is just awesomely humble. He leaves. He walks into the wilderness. Led by the Spirit, he goes into the wilderness. He doesn't stay and make a big splash about say, Hey, you see just what happened? John's got a decrease. I must increase. Let's go. There's no changing of the guard that's special. There's no ceremony that happens. Now, I love when we have a, a new president elected and it's so peaceful and it's so right. But there's a big splash that happens. There's a lot of attention given to this, and rightly so. This is a wonderful thing to be on display. But Jesus has none of that. Jesus leaves and goes into the wilderness, because that's where all the big rock stars go, right? When they get noticed, they go into the wilderness. Jesus goes into the wilderness. I love that display of humbleness. It's a very important weapon against the enemy. And then Jesus displays his integrity to an audience of one. In the book of Luke, we read about... His fight in the wilderness. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, 
He was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. This is no ordinary battle. The enemy is being both subtle and insidious in his temptation towards Jesus. He knows that they're alone. That basically Jesus could do anything he wants to without anyone ever finding out. This is what is being presented to him. This is one of those choices presented to him to turn away from the battle. He's saying, you're hungry. Man, you've been out here a long time. Why don't you make yourself a little snack? What's the harm of a little snack? Jesus reminds him by using the word, it is written, man should not live by bread alone. The temptation when you're hungry for anything, for attention, for relief, for protection, even for love. The temptation to do that outside God, trusting in God. It's great to trust in your own methods of making those things happen and to perhaps surrender other things to make those things happen. This is what Jesus is teaching us here. Then the enemy tries to buy and seduce Jesus with with power as if Jesus doesn't have any. He tries to tempt him with giving him authority as if Jesus doesn't have any. And tempt him with riches and, and glory beyond, as if Jesus needs that. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And said to him, to you I will give all authority to you and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. And I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only will you serve. Jesus reminds him who he's loyal to, who Jesus' heart is loyal to. He's loyal to his father. So we're tempted with, to, with immense power and authority and riches and kingdoms and all this, you know, things that would attract many. Jesus says, no, my, my heart belongs to the king. His heart of integrity says, I will, I will tell you who I'm still loyal to, who I belong to. And then he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Because it is written. And the audacity of Satan to use scripture to tempt Jesus is amazing. This comes from Psalm 91, 11. It says, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. That's from the Psalms. The enemy is using the word to tempt Jesus. It's insidious. Awful. But there's something more that he's doing there. He's attacking Jesus' relationship with the Father. Jesus fully trusts in the Father's plans for him. Jesus has no doubt the mission that he's been sent on. He trusts in the Father's heart, the content of his warrior God's heart. He knows the integrity that's in the Father. He knows the integrity of the plan. He fully trusts in it. And this is where the enemy tempts him the most. Even using scripture, tempting him to dissolve his relationship with the Father. By saying this false step of trust. And, and Jesus will have none, none of it. <laughs> and he says to him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus says, I, I have no need to test the Father's heart. Because I know about it. I know who it is. 
I know, I know His love and I know His plans for me. I know that I could trust the Father's plans. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him unto an opportune time. In the wilderness, Jesus speaks the word and he proclaims the truth. And by doing so, he praises the Father's purpose. His intent, his purpose is firm. He does not turn back in a day of battle. So our strategy is to have a character like Jesus. If a, if a, if a warrior's heart is full of humility and full of integrity, they can turn back the enemy. When we enter into to battle, we can be assured we can trust the Father's plans, His strategy for us. We can, even when the enemy uses lies, maybe even the scriptures to try to, to get turned back in the day of battle. If our heart is fueled by integrity, we have no problem being exposed. We have no problem living and walking in the light. That's what integrity does. It, it strengthens us. And a humble warrior will trust the commands of the king and will obey with their whole heart. See, the, the purpose of this is not only believe that we can win, but know that we are already won. The battle is won for us. Let's go to Psalm 15. If you would, please. This is another psalm that sings well. I think it sings of integrity and it sings of, of, a, of a heart that's humble. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue or does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up reproach against his friend. Can I just pause here for a minute and say, you know, when we talk about enemies, people are not our enemies. They're not. They might seem like it from time to time. They might, they might look that way, but they're not our enemies. People are not our enemies. The enemy of our soul is the enemy. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, basically who makes a vow, makes an oath, and does what is right. He doesn't change his heart, does not fall away. Who does not put his money at interest or does not take a bribe against the innocent integrity. And here's the last. Here's the kicker. He who does these things shall never be moved. Moved. Remember that quote from the Art of War that the whole purpose of the battle is to move the enemy and not be moved. I think from time to time we, we may forget that we're in a battle. Even when things are going right. Even things when things are going the way that we like them to be. When there's enough money in the bank, when everybody is healthy, when it seems like all our prayers are being answered the way that we like them to be answered, that there is not a battle going on. And that is really not reality. There's always a battle going on. The enemy is trying to dissolve our relationship with Father God. Never the scripture says that the enemy has come to, to steal and to destroy. But thankfully, Jesus says in the same verse, oh, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly.